bringing you news from around the world from Temple University. Welcome to Rational Radio. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, welcome to Rational Radio on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. I'm Haley. I'm joined tonight by Aviana and Chris. Hello. How are y'all? Doing good. How are you? I'm okay. How's your Valentine's Day been going? Nothing. Yeah, it's a mood. (laughs) It's another day. It's Friday. Yeah, well, um, we're going to try to keep things a little in theme for Valentine's Day. I mean, like, a little. Um, coming to us, uh, this first story is from BBC News. It is entitled, U.S. Election 2020, Buttigieg's Sexuality Becomes Campaign Issue. Um, now, since it's Valentine's Day, and I kind of figured we'd kick it off with a story that's a little bit related to love in some way. Um, so we're going to get into this controversy about Mayor Pete being gay. So on Wednesday, Rush Limbaugh made some statements on his nationally broadcasted radio show concerning the Democratic de- deliberations over who to vote for. Now, he stated, quote, they're saying, OK, how is this going to look? 37 year old gay guy kissing his husband on stage next to Mr. Man Donald Trump, unquote. Now, Limbaugh also claimed that um, uh, that America's not simply not ready to elect a gay man after being awarded, and this was after he was awarded a top civilian honor by President Donald Trump just a week ago. Um, if Mayor Pete was elected, of course, he'd be the first openly gay U.S. president. And while he didn't directly address the claims that Rush Limbaugh made against him, he did state during a Las Vegas event on Thursday that he was, quote, proud of his marriage and of his husband, unquote. Now, former Vice President Joe Biden did speak on Buttigieg's behalf on an ABC The View this um, this Thursday morning, saying, quote, it is part of the depravity of this administration. Pete and I are competitors, but this guy has honor. He's courage and he's smart, unquote. Now, President Trump did comment on the situation, shockingly, stating in a Fox News interview on Thursday, he said that he thought he would be open to voting for a gay candidate, quote, I think so, uh, the Republican president said. I think there would be some that wouldn't, and I wouldn't be among that group, uh, to be honest with you. And he also said that, quote, I think it doesn't seem to be hurting Pete Buttigieg, unquote. Um, Now, most conservatives did stand in support of Limbaugh's comments. Mostly they were saying that they're not homophobic in nature. Um, The Federalist magazine stated that, quote, operatives in Buttigieg's own campaign have asked these questions in deciding how we should approach being the first openly gay major presidential candidate. Now, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina said that he thought the country was not going to disqualify somebody because of their sexual orientation, but he did reject suggestions that the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which First Lady Melania Trump had bestowed last week on Mr. Limbaugh, should be withdrawn. He said, well, my God, free speech still exists, unquote. Um, and in Iowa's caucuses last week, one voter did ask that they rescind her ballot for Mr. Buttigieg after learning he was gay, saying that she didn't want anybody like that in the White House, so she wanted her card back. Now, um, I think it really comes down to what we've spoken about before, the sort of understanding that you can be bigoted despite your political leanings. You know, Democrats can still be homophobic just because somebody is politically progressive doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be socially progressive. Um, and 
just barely to some extent. I think I understood the defense that the Federalist was giving, that there are questions being asked within Buttigieg's team that are related to sexuality, but I do think that it makes a big difference who is saying them and in what context they're being asked. Um, I think my first question was really just like, what are your initial reactions upon hearing this newest development in the discussions about Mayor Pete? So I don't know. I feel like we've known for a while that mm-hmm. he was gay and that, I don't know, Every when I watch the debates, it's not like the most like pressing issue at all. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that it, it, it matters. And it's just at this point, it's just like the people that are very socially conservative that mm-hmm. are concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to speak to that point a little bit, we were talking before about how I was completely unaware this entire time that Mayor Pete was gay. And like... And that could just be me not being as informed as I need to be. Or it could be the fact that that was not an important component of, like, my personal concerns about Mayor Pete's um, political leanings and, like, his plans if he were to receive the the nomination for candidacy. So I I don't know. I just I I think I was also wondering, like, do you really think that sexuality is, is something that would greatly affect the likelihood of him being elected I would say no, because really it doesn't come up as much. Mm -hmm. Whenever people criticize him, they often criticize like his policies and how he's not as progressive as everyone else. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it would, I I could see how it would negatively affect him in like kind of the conservative people that are kind of on the fence of who they want to vote for. But I don't think it's going to be like a huge hit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also just don't think it's like a big deal. He's kind of... Like you said, we were talking about it before we got on air. Just got, he's like did the little Eminem eight yeah. mile thing where he got ahead of it before mm-hmm. people kind of use it against him. And in, in a sense, like he would joke about it and things like that. And also think that he has privilege as being a white man at the end of the day. Like if he was a woman who was um, homosexual, that may be different. You know, there may be two conflicts of interest that maybe society isn't ready to to have. But yeah. Um, I think that it's easier to forget uh, his sexuality when he's just like, you know, he's a pretty good guy. And, you know, even if you you can disagree with his views on politics, but you don't necessarily have to disagree with his sexuality, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I, another like angle I wanted to kind of look at this from was how is this different from like uh, a president who's non-white? Like when we were electing President Obama was mixed race. Um, how is like the issue of like um, a presidential candidate being like not straight different from them being not white? It's very fair. Okay, I feel like like it's not as apparent mm-hmm. that Pete Buttigieg is gay, yeah. whereas like the moment you look at Barack Obama, mm-hmm. like you could tell where you didn't know for a long that time, time that he yeah. was. So I don't know. Like I feel like it's just something that's like. Although, like, he, he doesn't hide it and mm-hmm. he doesn't have to hide it, it's just something that's not, like, in everyone's face 24-7, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I also think that it, it's still kind of uh, early in terms of his potential to be president. Like, I don't you know, think so. um, really? <laughs> yeah. I think it's a done deal. But, um, you know, I do think that it's, it's definitely an interesting connection in terms of uh, Obama and his upbringing in terms of. Uh, coming to the election in 2018 i mean 2008 um and how it's just different in terms of the different things you hear from mm-hmm. uh conservatives and how they think about uh th- these types of communities um and you see that with with uh rush limbaugh too it's just it's very interesting um 
that you know he's still going around saying the same stuff that he's been spewing out for oh, years yeah. now. And um, I honestly thought that that crushed all of Trump's credibility in terms of his State of the Union address, just giving it to giving that uh, that award to him. You know, it just kind of shows where your uh, where your ideals lie. Yeah. You know. You guys so. ever seen The Daily Show with Trevor Noah? Mm. After yes. Trump awarded Limbaugh the the medal, he he played like all the things that Limbaugh has said that have been sexist, homophobic, racist xenophobic like all that yeah, stuff yeah. like that and it's like well that's the guy that just got the medal yeah. so yeah I saw that he said some crazy things too in that he episode did. it was crazy I was like wow don't we wish we had cancel culture back then yeah I think that's like a really interesting point I was pretty shocked when I was reading those statements from Trump like even like that he would admit that he would be open to voting for a potentially gay candidate and I like wondered where that was coming from especially since like he had just like sort of contradicted himself with giving them the the presidential medal of freedom to Rush Limbaugh Mm -hmm. and just like what would have possessed him to say something like that I think it's because Buttigieg is like one of the least like progressive yeah. out there right now. So it's like it's also uh, it's also great timing for Trump mm. in terms of the image. That's what you know oh, we were yeah. just saying. It makes know? him look better because during yeah. State of the Union, he was like, you know, one of the big takeaways that the news sites pulled from it was he's giving so much to the black community. Like uh, that's something that we've talked about uh, earlier this week and stuff. Like he was just like, yeah, you know, I'm giving more money to HBCUs. Um, we're going to focus on police brutality, like all the things you think that people want to hear. And it's the same way, you know, elections coming up. So he wants to make it seem like, oh, yeah, I would vote for, you know, yeah, even mm-hmm. though he's a Republican. I just think that's smart. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely like something he was instructed to do. Mm-hmm. I'm like oh, yeah. also personally just shocked that he listened to it that he's following (laughs) any amount of direction whatsoever but i i mean you're right when you say it's smart on his part because like he kind of got away in 2016 with just saying really whatever he wanted to and people were on board with it because you know he's the new candidate he's not a career politician that was what was so appealing about him and now he does sort of have to like rein it in a little bit if he really wants to win the next election and so unfortunately yeah i think that's like not a bad move on his part um but i don't think he's ever going to be able to substantiate it um i would think that like i we we had this discussion on the district on wednesday we're talking about like how trump is sort of garnering the minority vote the african-american vote like that's really what he's after and like and now i'm sort of thinking like what is like the lgbtq vote going to be the new like minority vote that everybody wants to get and like I how much is Trump now starting to go after that since it's sort of become like apparent that he's really not going to get any yeah. racial minority support. And it'll be it'll also just be interesting in terms of how corrupt that can be mm. in terms mm-hmm. of the promises and uh, in yeah. terms of yeah. how those promises are carried through. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, I think that's one of the biggest issues in terms of racially with uh with politics it's just things that were promised that were misconstrued or just falsified and yeah. you know in totality and it's going to be interesting if he does do that the same thing with the lgbt plus community you know in terms of politics it, it will be interesting to see how that affects our society like in the mm-hmm. future and how uh you know the parties uh will do that too you know it'll be I interesting know. 
Like, that's what kind of annoys me about our whole system. It's like you give all these promises because you want to get elected, Mm -hmm. but then nothing ever holds you to those promises. And, hey, guess what? Now you're working on getting reelected again. So Mm -hmm. now you're, like, appeasing to, like, different types of people with a lot of money that can maybe help you. And then now you're going back on those progressive policies that you Mm -hmm. said you were going to, like, initiate. And now it's like, oh, well, I'm focused on reelection. So now you're just, like, giving these empty promises again. It's like this huge cycle, like, just, like, continuously giving empty promises and then only doing the things for people that are giving you money and mm-hmm. then now it's like oh well I'm reelected and then I don't know it's like a very vicious cycle mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that's like a good point and I think I mean mm-hmm. as, as far as we're going into like Pete Buttigieg's team like discussing like how he should be approaching this aspect of his sexuality when he's campaigning and just like how much is that being used as just a tool to get more support oh yeah and just like I think before like really the LGBTQ community has kind of been overlooked as far as like politics goes because it seemed to be so small and now in like the present years when it's so much easier to be like open and out with it that you're sort of learning that that's like a an untapped potential in in voter basis and just the fact that Pete Buttigieg he's not like the most you're right like the most socially or like politically progressive of the Democratic candidates and like how much this is what he's using to balance that out yeah Yeah. that's a good point because it's kind of like he has to um i'm just going to use the word assimilate yeah like you know i'm saying to Mm -hmm. the closest ideal of perfection yeah yeah like what obama did too arguably Mm -hmm. and just in terms of like if you're representing this like minority community if if you're the face of the whole you know community you have to be able to appeal to both sides so yeah it is interesting i do feel like that he's way more on the assimilated side than mm-hmm. like the yeah. rebellious yeah. side so to speak in terms of his image mm-hmm. really so like do you guys feel that way about like pandering to how like um do you remember with like senator cory booker when they had one debate and he was uh, like mm-hmm. you're dipping in the kool-aid and you don't even know the flavor and like uh, every black person like started cringing within themselves because like it's kind of like pandering like i don't know yeah. i feel like that's something they do as well like I'm a part of this community and that's why you should like support me but it's like Mm -hmm. Cory Booker definitely did that oh yeah every time I would wake up in the hood where I'm from like pretty much that's pretty much what he would say like on the stage it was always it was Mm -hmm. always funny yeah, it People seems to me like that. this this whole thing with like Buttigieg kissing his husband on stage, and mm. then there's tweets of like pictures of him and his husband, and the, the captions just like, "Well, really, who'd want to kiss Rush Limbaugh?" is the question we should be asking. I'm like, <laughs> that's fair. It, yeah, like that's fair. And I, but I, it really does seem like he's sort of playing the line as far yeah. as like I'm gonna be very open about this portion of myself because that makes me seem very like relatable and socially um, very liberal. But then like the the policies that he's supporting are not so much that. So he's really like I mean it's not a bad strategy to be fair like he's doing a good job of it but yeah it's just interesting that like sometimes we kind of get caught up in um these these aspects of people's personalities but um, that's where we're going to have to end it for now and go into our first commercial break but please tune back in um for our next story talking a little bit more about Trump so have a nice commercial break and we'll be right back WHIP Philadelphia, an iHeartRadio station. From WHIP News, I'm Katie Perum. Today is Thursday, February 13th, and this is your WHIP News Update. Yesterday, February 12th, the chairman of the Iowa Democratic Party, Troy Price, 
announced his resignation. The Iowa caucus results were not released for 24 hours after the caucus ended because of technical difficulties with the new process the Iowa Democratic Party implemented. Once released, the results had Pete Buttigieg in first with the most delegates and Bernie Sanders trailed close behind. Many are still questioning the accuracy of the Iowa results. The Associated Press reports that Price apologized and took full responsibility for the difficulties in Iowa. He hopes his resignation will help the party move forward. Last night, Pennsylvania Senate President Joe Scarnetti announced he will not seek re-election this November. Scarnetti, a Republican from Jefferson County, has been Senate President since 2007. He also served as Pennsylvania's Lieutenant Governor from 2008 to 2011. According to the U.S. News and World Report, Scarnetti says his decision is personal and not political. Current Speaker of the House, Mike Terzai, will also not be seeking re-election this year. From WHIP News, I'm Katie Perrone, and this has been your WHIP News Update. Welcome back to Rational Radio here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. Thank you for tuning back in on this Valentine's Day. Our second story is going to be coming to you from Aviana. Okay, so this one's coming from CBS News, and it says Trump says he may stop allowing top officials to listen on his calls with foreign leaders. So President Trump interviewed with Geraldo Rivera, and in this interview, President Trump stated that he may stop top officials from being able to listen on his calls. This is in direct response to the call with the Ukrainian president that an official reported and ultimately led to him getting impeached. It is important to note that top administrative officials listen in on phone calls while presidents are talking to foreign leaders, and it's standard procedure. It's done for record keeping and helping keep policymaking consistent. Geraldo Rivera asked the president, why does so many people listen in on your calls? To which the president responded, well, that's what we've done for the years. When, we'll call, when you call a foreign leader, people listen. I may end the practice entirely. I may end it entirely. Sometimes you have 25 people. According to CBS News, keeping any other American officials from hearing such calls would prevent records from being created and any officials from sharing what they've heard, and that could result in enabling a foreign nation to shape the narrative of phone call with the leader of the free world and with no record or witness to counter it. So I think it's important to point out that a system like this is put in place to protect the president from being lied about, but most importantly, it's supposed to protect corruption. And, like, have you ever heard the phrase, like, if you're not doing anything wrong, then you have nothing to hide? Well, right now, he's kind of making it look like he has something to hide. And it's really sad because his party probably won't do anything about this. So I just want to ask you guys, how do you feel about him saying this? He is very, very corrupt, man. (laughs) It's very, very sad, you know. Astute. Yeah, I, like... I, I get. I feel the same way. It's just like anytime I hear about it, I just get so sad and like really disappointed. Yeah. And because uh, it's just, I like this seems like such a logical thing. Like that you would just assume that like of course it's like just because you're the president do- doesn't mean you, you. We don't need a system to hold you accountable. Yeah. Like it's still, we need a, like a way to stop exactly what has happened essentially with Trump like the the reason we have this system as place is to call presidents out on what he was doing so I don't understand this like I'm upset because I got caught doing something wrong (laughs) so we're just going to remove the system entirely that caught me so that Mm -hmm. I can continue to do wrong things also rationally speaking if you just got caught or you know even if you were acquitted if Mm -hmm. it was a big thing about 
phone calls and people being there and things like that, don't you think you would want to be a little bit more open or a little <laughs> exactly. bit more communicative, you know, in terms of your phone calls with, but maybe that just makes too much sense. <laughs> like you said, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's like a good point. Also, I think that he's doing it on purpose because now we've got like this, he's got the support of this fan base who are like, yeah, you shouldn't need to be like listened yeah. to. That's an invasion of your privacy. Like people are now like support him and he's kind of manipulated people into by like stating this stuff like well it's what we've done for years but you know we're going to look into like changing it yeah. it's it's really like taking advantage of all of these people who've supported him were like historically very politically uneducated yeah. who are thinking that like this is the, a good thing to do like he's taking down the corrupt system that yeah. was been in place for years that the democrats put there like that's really essentially i think like his game plan what he's doing here and i unfortunately think it's working yeah, yeah. i feel like it's even more so to the level of he's kind of setting a precedent of you can do whatever you want in the oh, office yeah. you know and i feel like we're in a society today that forgets as Americans, this whole ideology is to fight corruption, even though we have some oh, yeah. corrupt founding mm -hmm. fathers. But that's a different story. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? The whole ideal behind it, though, is just to make sure that the people can have a say and that the people will be communicated with in terms of big decisions. And, you know, here we have a guy who doesn't care what the people think. You know, we he's acting it. like a tyrant. I yeah. mean, if you think about it, we have a system of checks and balances for a reason. Mm. And this is a system of checks and balances. And I don't know, like, do you guys remember when he said that him and his team were contemplating nuking a hurricane? And then his team was like, no, no, we're not doing that. That's not a possibility. So like, do you guys think this is something that's similar to that? Like, can he actually do this? I don't think this is something he can do in the first place. I think that it really depends on the people that he's going to put in charge. Because, I mean, with his, like, streak of just firing everybody over That's the past true. like couple of weeks like I'm more concerned about who he's appointing who's letting him appoint these people and how actually informed and professional and qualified for the jobs that they now have and that's I think what could allow him to make these like really scary changes especially if he gets reelected I think a lot of that is hinging on his reelection mm -hmm. and yeah. I think the only thing that we can do at this point is really like anything in our power to stop him from being reelected re because I can't imagine like anything beneficial coming out of like another four years of this did he really say he did Yes, really? that he nuke was going hurricane? to nuke a hurricane. Yeah, yes, really you don't remember that? I, I remember don't. that. I, yeah. It was crazy. It was I may funny. not have known Pete Buttigieg oh was gay, but I did remember <laughs> that Trump. <laughs> and right afterwards, his team was like, no, we cannot nuke yeah. a hurricane. I can't believe it. And this was like, I don't know if he tweeted it or something, but this was something like. I think he, he said it in a press yeah, conference. He was like, holy in like understanding that he knew what he was talking about. And this was something <laughs> that he could do. And yeah, just like also like the loose language around just like thinking that he can nuke something whenever yeah, he that, wants that to. Has no environmental <laughs> yeah. damage. Mm -hmm. and, that he like uh. just the ignorance behind that statement. The fact that he has no idea how intensely damaging his actions are. Yeah, is, is like, you need people to listen in on your calls mm -hmm. to vouch for you. Yeah, you do. Yeah, also just to make sure like he's saying something that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Like, that he's actually performing the role that he's supposed to as commander-in-chief. And with foreign leaders, yeah. we can barely understand him speaking English. Mm -hmm. So, so imagine... Like, how did they understand him? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just don't... Yeah. I mean, just at least someone to stop him from, like, terribly offending any of our foreign ambassadors. Yeah. Just, like, 
I think that this system of like listening in on calls is like really most important in in this scenario with somebody like him who's such a loose cannon who's yeah. like liable to do just about anything like anything that you could feasibly predict at any point in time just because it strikes him as like a good idea in the moment and that's like a really dangerous sort of person to have with a lot of power so I mentioned earlier that this is also to protect him from another country lying on him. And so if the system is gone and he if he even advertises that the system is now gone, does that endanger him from being lied about? Like, do you guys think other countries would take advantage of that? Oh, yeah. I mean, specifically, what immediately comes to mind is like Russia mm. and his connections with them and the fact that Donald Trump would most certainly tweet about this the second that it happens yeah. is like how much more easily could the American government be taken advantage of? Yeah. And I mean, I think of Russia and China initially just because like with all the information hacks, we've been having these misinformation campaigns. Those have historically been the places that they've come from. But also how d- how much would that open us up to? attacks and issues from like other nations that we're not like even focused on because now we've got a weakness in our barrier and it's so easy to just slip in and and essentially control the american government from outside we've already sort of seen that happening with donald trump and like how much worse could that get later if this is something that gets changed yeah Mm -hmm. okay with that being said we're going to move into our backup story i was very excited about this one i am as well so massive asteroid will swing by earth after valentine's day so this is coming from you from CNN, a massive asteroid that is estimated to be between 1,433 feet and 3,248 feet long will pass by Earth around 6.05 Eastern Time Saturday morning. According to this article, based on the size range of the asteroid, of what the asteroid can be, it could be anywhere between the size of a suspension bridge or it can be taller than a skyscraper. Experts at NASA's Center for Near-Earth Object Studies says that we are in no danger because when the asteroid passes, it will be around 3,590,000 miles away from the Earth. And to kind of put that into perspective, that's like 15 times the distance from Earth to the moon. So it's going to be pretty far away. And the Minor Planet Center has classified this asteroid as a potentially hazardous asteroid, according to NASA, but that's only true because the object is 492, larger than 492 feet, and it approaches Earth within 4.6 million miles. The asteroid, which is known as 2000, and two, PZ-39, has been tracked since its discovery in August 2002, and NASA knows its orbit and trajectory very well. And based on the asteroid trajectory, NASA believes that it shouldn't come any closer to Earth than expected. In addition to this, a few asteroids that are within airplane to house size ratio will pass Earth on Sunday and will pass Earth on Sunday and Monday, with the closest one coming within 1.4 million miles of Earth. So... I just want to say I love science news. I feel like we should cover science news just a little bit more. But I want to ask you guys, how do you feel about this? I mean, my initial reaction is that, like, I just vibe with space. Like, I'm really into it. I'm here for that. And also, I think we're we're more than overdue for a mass extinction event. And, like, I don't know. I just, maybe this is a sign of something. I think so, too. I (laughs) think so, too. I I just think we're overdue. I don't know. I mean, like, climate change has really been catching up to us. But Mm -hmm. this is, like, put put some speed on it. Like, we might as well just take the asteroid as it comes. That's right. So when you guys guys initially heard like asteroid like passing Earth, did that initially scare you? Like, do you think this is something that would like scare people the moment they see the headline? 
Uh, no, I think most people, no. since it's especially the day after Valentine's Day, mm. you know, we were talking about that earlier. I'm such a bah humbug for Valentine's <laughs> Day. But, um, they're like, why couldn't it be a day before? So yeah. I didn't have to take her out. Yeah, right, you know, right. But, exactly. uh, I feel like people are gonna swing it into like, oh, it's a, it's a massive asteroid that's gonna be swinging by Earth, honey. Yeah, <laughs> like, stay up until six o'clock in the asteroid. morning. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Nothing scares me anymore at this point. That's fair. Um, <laughs> but I do think this is something that, like, someone could read, like, an Onion headline about it, and then, yeah. like, everything falls apart, and, like, Facebook's exploding with all of these, like, 40-year-old moms who are like, oh, my God, we're all going to die tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. might as well spend all the money we can on our Valentine's Day dinner. Plus, like, just the headline itself, like, a massive asteroid will oh, swing yeah. by. Yeah. Like, you know, that's He's like, just hey, coming yeah. into distract. My man, my man Tony's going to swing by later, you know. <laughs> Um, it so, just does sound doesn't sound threatening at all. It no, really. Like, you know. Yeah, I feel like the fact that it's telling you that it passes by mm-hmm. is that's an, an asteroid is coming, you know? Yeah, right. So, like, space is so large, and it's it's something that's millions of miles away from Earth. Like, do you think, like, on a st- grand scale of things, like, that could actually be pretty close? I mean, uh, having the, the minute amount of understanding that I do about space stuff, I think that, like, a couple million miles is, like, pretty close to, to Earth. Yeah, like, it, it seems like Yeah, it. like, that's, like, a not that far away. Um, I think, really, at any point when you can, like, see with the naked eye, like, anything in the sky, it's, like, pretty close. So I, I think that... that w- I mean, I, I like to think of myself as a logical person, and I, I would hope that if something terrible was going to happen, NASA would be a little bit more um, clear about it. But I would assume I that so. like <laughs> this isn't a big deal just because we're hearing about it from CNN. I so mean, actually, a fun fact, in like the fifth grade, NASA came to my elementary school and told us like a huge asteroid was coming in like 2030-something. Oh, my God. And they like showed us a video, and they were like, it'd be like the next mass extinction. Yeah, 2012, I, I was petrified yes. when yeah. I was younger. Yeah. I mean, but has anything really felt real since 2012? Probably like, not. No. no. <laughs> so do you guys feel like NASA is downplaying something like this or is something like this should be more advertised to people? I don't think this is like a downplay. I think uh, I think you also have to take into account like the, the general... Um, amount of knowledge about stuff like this so like really what would they be reporting that like the general everyday person couldn't understand I I understand like it's sort of like in academia you always like try to use as much jargon as you possibly can just to make yourself sound smarter and to make the not like the information as inaccessible as possible to anybody not in that field that's fair um but yeah I I think this is one of those like fun things they just were like hey after Valentine's Day is gonna be an asteroid (laughs) just so you know guys I mean there is one on Monday that's going to be 1.5 million miles close mm-hmm. to earth and that's a little that's a little close that's yeah actually that's that's kind of cutting it it is so i don't know we will just have to wait and see maybe yeah. there'll be no tuesday maybe maybe <laughs> maybe the aliens are coming and they're gonna take us all away finally and <laughs> all of this will be over finally, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no exam but no really guys nasa says there's there's nothing to worry about it's just passing by just saying hi to our solar system yeah mm-hmm. so i mean go have fun enjoy the asteroid And uh, with that, we're going to take our next commercial break, but do tune back in for another story uh, right after this. And welcome back. Uh, This is the Rational Radio on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. Thank you for tuning back in to our third story brought to you by Chris. So this story is coming from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, the headline is, Philly cop's body camera caught his punch on apparently overdosing man who died. 
So a Philadelphia police officer who punched a man apparently overdosing on drugs Wednesday, minutes before the man died en route to a hospital, was wearing a body camera that covered that captured the blow on video, a police spokesman said today. Uh, Inspector Kindborough said the footage was a key part of the ongoing investigation into the incident in a Rite Aid parking lot in Logan. Uh, Police have said the officer, an 11-year-old veteran assigned to the 35th District, punched the 28-year-old in the head while he and other cops tried to restrain the man as he grew, quote, increasingly agitated uh, and began screaming and striking parked cars. Kimebrew said the officers were told the pharmacist had already given the man Naloxone, a drug that helps treat opioid overdoses. Excuse my pronunciation of that. Uh, the man became animated, and police said they began, quote, screaming largely uh, unintelligibly and striking the cars on in the ground. Officers tried to restrain the man by placing him in handcuffs, and Kimebrew said he was partially cuffed when the officer punched him in the head. Police said officers put the handcuffed man into a fire department medic van while en route to the hospital police said he became unresponsive and was declared dead at the albert einstein medical center at 5 58 p.m and i don't know if y'all know that's right up the street yeah from, mm. mm-hmm. but uh, i just want to hear your thoughts about this uh you know some of the observations i've made were just in terms of the footage uh you know they they declined to release the footage and they're saying that the incident is uh remaining under investigation so we have to keep that in mind um, they want to get more perspective in terms of a video of the events and things like that. But in my honest opinion, I feel like the damage is already done, you know, in terms yeah. of mm-hmm. what happened and how they carried the situation. It could have been held, you know, handled better. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think like to connect this to like, you know, I, it might be happening locally. And I know we don't usually talk about local news on this show, but it has really like national impacts that this is like not a, an uncommon thing. And the fact that it's happening in Philadelphia just makes it all the more relevant for us because, you know, mm-hmm. we're right here. Um, but no, the, this this idea of, um, of police brutality against African-American people specifically is, is like this has been going on for decades and it doesn't get talked about enough, especially in like an area like Philadelphia where it's so largely African-American population. And I like even just having lived here for like two years, I don't typically hear about this kind of stuff being talked about in in philly which mm-hmm. is always shocking to me since i know that it has to happen um i don't know i feel like i understand that if you're a police officer there are going to be times where you're going to need to restrain someone use a little bit of force but i don't i don't understand why you need to punch someone yeah like i don't understand why you need to like assault someone for yeah. you to get your point across mm-hmm. and i don't know like i i think that's the problem that it's like less of like a okay let's de-escalate the situation and more like a stop and listen to me right now kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah i i think that's very interesting because um you know we don't even know necessarily the race of the person but i wouldn't be surprised if they were african-american you know but considering that um um the person was on drug you know like they mm-hmm. had a um a medical issue that was yeah, wrong with them in terms of why they were you know, yeah why they were acting the way they mm-hmm. were acting i just think that it's um it's very interesting you know the argument that that you always hear from police or i've always heard from the police is that you never know um where they're coming from mm. in terms of a situation mm-hmm. like 
It could be something that they they just deal with the issue that relates to them personally. And I'm like, okay, I understand that. Yeah. But as a as a student or even as just like a employee, I don't know where you all work, but I'm a I'm a bartender. If I was dealing with something before I came to work, and then it impacted my job in terms of making a drink or something, some guy didn't into the drink or I treated a guest wrong, it's still my responsibility. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? As as an employee that works there, because. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you're not supposed to bring yeah. that stuff to you on the job. Not to say that it's it's easy to do that as a cop, but I'm just saying that mm. that's not a valuable excuse, in my it's opinion. Not. No, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think that, like, one of the issues is, like, police officers tend to be in this mindset of, like, I can do physical harm to you, and right. that's yeah. okay for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the main issues is that they're taught that's okay. Like, my mom works in a, like, a for a company that does a lot of outreach for mental health. She's a psychologist. She has to do a lot of restraining um, people when they're like going through some physical attacks or if they're like really agitated and like they're taught a specific way to do it because you cannot hurt that person. Yeah. Like you're, you are allowed to restrain them if they're going to hurt you, but you can't do physical harm to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that needs to be the mindset that police officers stay within that like you can restrain this person because they're trying to do bodily harm to you and that's not okay, but you cannot hurt them. Yeah. Like, that is not what you're here to do. You were not given a gun to kill people mm-hmm. you're given a gun to keep yourself safe and keep your community safe yeah and yeah i just saw a video early this week um that pretty much had the same thing i don't even know where it happened at because mm-hmm. i i see him like they're like all the time yeah something happens so it, but it's just like the same thing it was five officers on this guy and they were punching him mm-hmm. like you know a bunch of like mind you four people are holding one person yeah. down and one person is full-on punching you in the face Mm-hmm. And so the guy, he just started, like, foaming at the mouth. Like, yeah. you know, have, he started having a seizure. And the guy still punched up. Officer is still punching him. I just didn't understand, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, he was being tased. He was getting punched, being held uh, down. Yeah. I don't understand. I, I don't know. You know. I think I think the problem, which a lot of people don't know, it's, like, the main thing that excuses this behavior is how strong their police unions are mm. and how much it allows them to get away with things. Like, when they do things like this, like, mm-hmm. usually their record is covered and sealed or, like, they're just put on administrative duty. And I think it was the last time we were on here, we were talking about how a lot of people, the judge who was just put on administrative duty after he said something very racist, um, I think that's, that's the problem, that when these people don't suffer repercussions and when time and time again, like, police officers aren't prosecuted for killing someone while they were mm-hmm. on duty. I think that's the problem that now they're like, well, you can't really do anything to me, so I'm going to continue and just punch this man even though he's being held down. Yeah, yeah. they learned that. Obviously, their actions can just go un, you know, mm-hmm. unnoticed, yeah. unpunished. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and, and they just create- move on. Yeah, they create this and like this community for themselves, yeah. where they're like, "The world's against me. It's not my oh, fault yeah. that I like killed a black man. Mm-hmm. It's everybody else's fault for blaming me for it." Yeah, so and then you, they all protect each other. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in particular, with the conversation with black men, I find it funny because um, in class, like I, I always pull up there's the study that the American um, Psychological Association did on how we perceive mm-hmm. uh, threats mm-hmm. in black men, and they. Uh, they showed a group of people the same image of a black man and a white man, and they were the same size, yeah. same height, same weight, and everything. Mm-hmm. But people perceived the black person to be bigger and stronger yeah. than the white person, even yeah. though if they were the same mm-hmm. physical size. And that just kind of shows you the, yeah. the kind of like you know ingrained way that we have of thinking about and perceiving uh, mm-hmm. threats and things like that. Yeah. So how do you think that affects uh, policing in terms of? 
Whoa. Um, I think it affects them by like seeing like ha- like if you don't want to go off the but side. But on both sides. On both sides. Yeah, in terms of the people who call on, like mm-hmm. uh, like the guy who was uh, behaving like that. Like imagine yeah. like how they she, they they could have framed the situation I think, like, or. The, the like inherent bias it's like if a white person is overdosing it's like oh like please help them like they're not feeling well whereas if like a black person would be overdosing like well look at that crackhead like they got what they deserved mm-hmm. and then I feel like just kind of like the personal bias between like a black person maybe seeming like larger or like more scarier that like that definitely like hurts the situation when, especially if the police has like the same kind of like bias towards that like I don't know like I think that either way like it definitely hurts black men all the time yeah Yeah. i think it's so age old too because there's like studies like that have been done since like the the 70s Mm -hmm. the 60s i like one particular one i had to read through is like they would show videos and like there'd be two people and they'd be having a conversation there would be like a a push like and and then everyone would be watching them and if it was a black man and a white man and the black man pushed the white man then it was always aggressive but if it was the other way around it was like a fun like type thing like they were Mm -hmm. just like being together like being people sometimes you shove your friends like that's how they described it when it was like a non-white person doing the shoving so i think like that's since it's so ingrained and it's so old of a stereotype that like then it's really hard to unlearn that and mm-hmm. that's something that like most people are taught like from a very young age is like white people are not dangerous black people are mm-hmm. and that's kind of what happened like when if you're like if you're like the store owner and then somebody starts overdosing in your store and that person is white I think you're more likely to just be concerned about their safety yeah. Yeah. not yours and yeah. if it's the other way around then, then you're just going to be concerned about like they're trying to steal something from my store mm-hmm. there's nothing medically wrong with them like yeah there's they're just like out here to hurt me and yeah. that's what they're going to tell the police when they call and so the police are going to show up with that in mind they've been primed to think that this person's going to hurt them and so yeah. therefore they react like this and i think you both mentioned a really strong point in terms of um just the way the little nuanced things that we like mm-hmm. you know thoughts that we have in terms of our first interactions with race and stuff because that's the things that usually go unnoticed you know, in terms of um, uh, how those how those thoughts and ideas can be biased. You know, um, like uh, some people may see a younger uh, person of color and feel like they're like a hoodlum or like you know um, bad person, where someone can see like a younger white child and feel like they have more potential or like you know they're more innocent and things like that. But you know, I think that that's important in terms of for us as a community to deal with these perceptions to kind of check ourselves in terms of how we first react to meeting somebody and should we be giving more people the benefit of the doubt is it us being biased or mm-hmm. are we coming from uh evidential like proof of you know why they're a shady character yeah but i think at the end of the day in terms of if you already have somebody who's overdosing and stuff like that and cops helping you you should not be punching people in the head mm-hmm. and i don't think there's more to investigate i feel like uh yeah you know they should move on yeah i would just be more concerned about the fact that like this man was given naloxone because he's obviously having an opioid overdose which Mm -hmm. is going to be life-threatening in general and like nobody's calling an ambulance nobody's Mm -hmm. like trying to like give him chest compressions no one's checking his pulse no one's making sure like he's not having a seizure like nobody's really like doing anything to check on his well-being they're all just worried about punching him in the face yeah i just don't in the movies they always make it seem like you know the fatal option is the last very you know valid Mm -hmm. option Mm -hmm. you have but Mm -hmm. it seems like time and time again we're showing that cops are just yeah. taught to 
you know, beat first and then ask questions later, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, and it's just like then there's this whole I- ideal of, of just distrusting the police and how that's so ingrained in minority communities who are con- usually targeted by them. And then that just like completes the cycle. The cops know that like they're not trusted by these people and so they're going to be like looked at hostily and then they react violently because of it. And it's just like there's no way that you can trust the organization of the police because they're the ones with the weapons. Uh-huh. And they're the ones with the authority and the like sy- institutional power and it's not you. And so like there's no way that you're ever going to be able to trust that community until they start holding their people accountable. And that's just not something that's happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that if we were to meet together, I feel like here on campus, if you if we were to meet together within, um, uh, let's say, uh, Temple students, uh, law enforcement and maybe just uh, older folks who have lived in this community for a longer time, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that if we all came together and just kind of thought and talked about what we could do as a community to, to communicate better and have a better society, I think that those that things uh, would lead to, you know, progress and changes to, um, do y'all, do y'all feel the same way? Do you yeah, think that yeah. there needs to be more communication within all parties? Oh, definitely. I think that's been a, dis- a topic of discussion in a lot of, like, temple news gathering organizations of, like, trying to get the input of the community members because temple has for so long been viewed very negatively in the eyes of the North Philadelphia community for very good reasons. Mm. And I think a lot of it is that they just do not feel like they're heard, that, like, their opinions are taken into account, really, and a lot of the times they're just, like... I mean, the Temple Stadium's a great example of that, that they're just being they feel like they're being wooed that like all of this like benefits that's being the university keeps posing that they're going to do for the community is just to like get them to agree to do this one thing and then after that gets accomplished it's all going to stop so i think that that's like and that has like again national implications as well like the institution of the the police which has essentially become like an extension of the military at this point needs to like come clean and communicate and it doesn't need to be like a witch hunt of like let's go like get after every cop that's ever done something wrong and immediately it just needs to be like like let's see the sealed records like let's just like all have like an open public file that this should all be public knowledge because you're public defenders so like we should have some knowledge and some say about who gets to hold a position like that especially since these people are essentially civilians so I mean like since the police as as an organization is just become such an extension of like the United States military yeah. that and like that mindset I feel like they, they feel more entitled to yeah. things too yeah. and if you're Definitely. here to serve the public you know it mm-hmm. should be both ways like yeah. you know respect should be going both ways for mm-hmm. sure I definitely feel like you should respect the officer yeah but the officer needs to also respect the community mm-hmm. he's serving you know yeah mm-hmm. do you guys think that like police academy should be like much harder like it should oh, yeah. be harder to become a police officer yeah. it should 100% be harder to get into that if you want it to be like a we respect you you're, yeah. you're entitled mm-hmm. then yeah you, you yeah, need to do to more like, work in the end. Like at this point, like my professor went to school for way longer than you did and received yeah. way more training than exactly. you did to teach exactly. me. So now, like if you think about it, right, like a lawyer goes to school for what, three years to become a lawyer and then there's much to like in to kind of like interpret the law. Uh-huh. Then a judge is like not only does he have to go to law school for many years, but he also serve as a lawyer and then serve as a judge. So like he can kind of like also interpret yeah. the laws, but then there's a police academy that's like nineteen weeks to enforce the law. Yeah. And, so and like, like and you don't actually have to know what you're enforcing. You don't, like, there's this whole, like, 
uh, idea of like you need to lie to the cops because like you can't they they want you they will twist your words you can't say anything to them it doesn't matter who you are what you look like that they will their their goal is to just arrest you Mm -hmm. and I think that's like really what we need to be remedying that mindset but Um, That is where we're going to come to a close for today's show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Please check out WHIP on Twitter at WHIP Radio and share your thoughts on our social media. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to Rational Radio. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, And thank you for listening to WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. We will be back on Monday.